You're listening to On Conversation, and I am the legend Keith Chandler. On this episode, our 16th, we convene once again at our main coffee shop, Stirred Up on Emerald Isle, to discuss what you do with your time. Mostly, what you do with your time that's important or fulfilling. And in some cases, is your time spent better for you, better for other people? There's a lot of discussion about the war of the generations with the millennials and zenials and so on being lazy and the older generations being more hardworking. So we volley that topic around today and explore it in all of its finer and somewhat less meaningful ways. Our sponsor for the episode this week is Sweet Sounds Records, fallen on deaf ears since 2012. Check them out at sweetsoundsrecords.com. We would like other sponsors. We enjoy people giving us money. So if you know someone out there that wants to give us a bunch of money to pay us to talk and drink coffee, send them our way. SweetSoundsRecords1 at gmail.com. Again, all of the opinions expressed on this program are mine, Joey's, and Brad's, and no one else's. They're not representative of businesses that we associate with, other people, places, things, or our sponsors. And that's it. Your intro music this week is a track that I snuck in last week that I made specifically for the pod, well, more or less specifically for the podcast. Uh, It is called Beats Broken. It is not released yet, and it is by Odd Circles. We hope you enjoy the track, and we really hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for your support. For those of you out there listening, we appreciate it more than we can say and more than you know. Please tell your friends, pass it along, and as everybody likes to say, smash that like button. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Keith. We don't know what we're going to talk about. Good morning, Joey. We'll find find a rhythm here momentarily. Joey and Brad are discussing Joey's finishing the trilogy about Henry VIII and Cromwell being dead. So did you um, give... (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Did you give the, the name of that trilogy last time? I think they just call it the Wolf Hall trilogy after the first book. But... The reason for the name Wolf Hall is because that was the residence of the Seymour uh, clan group of Jane Seymour. I thought that was Hever Castle. I don't know. Maybe it's synonymous. You can stay there. Let me tell you a fun fact about my life. So the other other thing that happened to us this weekend, we found out we had kittens. Underneath your porch. We have strays, you know, running in copious amounts through our neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. one of them had kittens, I think, or four. Oh no. And the mother cat came around. You know, meow, meow, meow. So I was out there one day and I got it to come to me. These usually these cats won't come near anybody. And right, so she exactly. Came, 
she came to me and she let me pet her and play with her for a little bit. So I let her go and she went on. I hadn't seen her since the big rain that we had Friday. Mm-hmm. That real, real nasty rain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then she came back last night. And so I made the mistake. I was trying to be kind. And I fed her. Mm-hmm. So now she won't go away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, but, no shit. So we were feeding her and she was letting me pet her and she was growling at me. I've never heard a cat growl. Yeah. Um, and then some of her kittens started to come out. From underneath the porch? Uh, and underneath the neighbor's cars and stuff. And they, one of them let me pet him or her, but the other three wouldn't. If you move, they ran. Right. So my dogs, oddly enough, because we have a cat, they won't attack these cats. They know better. So the terrier like, will like find them, but she won't go after them. She'll just find them. And the dachshunds, they don't really know what to do. Um, this morning we woke up and they were all curled up together all in the corner on the back porch. And all course, the kittens yeah, and the mom? Yeah. So the dogs go out and they don't, all the cats scatter, but the dogs, they don't do nothing because, right. you know, that's just, it's, it's very funny. Anyway, so I'm calling, I've named the mother cat Flowerbed. You and your names. So the reason that I've named the cat Flowerbed oh is because God. when I lived in the hood, uh, I had a friend across the street um, who will remain nameless. I don't even know if the guy's even still around, but um, he was a, a business associate, if you will. Uh, if you, you know, a black market business associate. And he had a, a cat named Pawn Shop. And I asked him why he named the cat Pawn Shop, and he said, well, that's where he found it. Then he had another cat named Pocket. And I said, why did you name it Pocket? And he said, well, that was Pawn Shop's baby. And when I knew that she had it, I found it in a pocket of my T-shirt. So since I found this cat originally in my flower bed, I'm calling it flower bed. You should just like call that. it flower. Oh, <laughs> or petunia. What are the name of the flowers in the bed? Well, I thought I would name all the kittens. The flowers, flowers. in the bed. Yeah, okay. So uh, I got to figure out which oh one would God. be gardenia, and which one would be like zinnia, germanium, ger- or geranium, geranium, germanium, geranium. Germa- germanium is <laughs> is the Roman, <laughs> right, uh, yeah, right, the, the right, people right. that attack the Romans. Anyway, so that's my, mm. that's my fun story to kick off the, the podcast. That situation can escalate very quickly. You could end up with a lot of cats. Oh, my God. Specifically, potentially inbred cats. Don't and you I need to take them all to get them fixed. Well, we want to try to catch them so we can take them to the cat rescue and get them fixed and then have them hopefully homed, rehoused. We're way into that. And Sam does a lot of stuff with misplaced mutts. Oh, so she can... Shout out to misplaced <clears throat> mutts. Yep. For getting cats and doggies new homes. Mm-hmm. But um, We used to have a huge stray cat population. There used to be a bunch of stray cats that lived in those woods right there. Um, and they used to feed them right there. Yeah, I always see stray cats in the plantation down by the dumpsters. Yep. But mm-hmm. maybe they're not fixed. Maybe they come from elsewhere. No, I think they just, I think the coyote population has taken care of a lot of them. Mm. Have you seen that video from Coast Guard Road where the coyote sneaks up on the porch and snatches that cat off the porch that's sleeping? Ooh. No. Yeah. Coyotes are quick. They're very quick, and it was sneaking like... Oh, we've got a small dog. I'm worried about that now. Yeah, don't let that dog not, out without being supervised. Yeah. Well, not yeah, at the I, point. Not but even supervised. Because that's where they are. Um, yeah. I would have liked to have seen the stray cats. They were a good band. Da, 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 da. No, they Brian, were not. Brian I don't Sutter. know them. <laughs> they were no, great, they man. Weren't. 
No. No, they were really good. <laughs> they had that whole like swing rockabilly thing. Uh, yeah, Stray Cat know. Blues is a good <laughs> Rolling Stones song. Rolling Stones. All right. Well, eventually we'll. Would a coyote snatch a dog off of a leash if a person is walking it? Mm. Mm. If they can, they will. I don't like that. Yeah, right. when I lived in L.A., I took a, my dog Charlie one time for a walk, and uh, of course these were wolves, but they would hunt in packs. You know, and they would... Anyway, we were walking, and you could hear them coming from each side. Of the canyon? Mm-hmm. And then I heard clicking on the... Like, more clicking than I should have on the street. And they were coming in behind Did us. you pick up the dog and run? Oh, hell yeah, I did. Yeah, I grabbed him, turned around, and made a move at them, and then took off. And they kind of they kind of didn't scatter necessarily, but yeah, I got the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. They just, Carry Waspray with you. They just, sna- they just so snatched you can that blast dog them. up. Because hmm. just the chemicalness of it, even if you didn't get it in their eyes, would probably... Put them off. Yeah, yeah. just the smell. So I also told Joey this, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, I don't tend to watch too much YouTube stuff anymore. I kind of went into a little vortex there for a brief period, but it was all about like comedy stuff and well, that's a good vortex. Things like that. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't real crazy political. Some of it was like commentary about political stuff, but funny, right? Or supposed to be funny, and it was. Um, I, I was telling Joey, I saw I don't remember what channel or stream or whatever it was, but um. I watched a, a video where these guys were playing Magic. Oh, I, my I, God. I didn't watch the whole video. What? No, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was watching snippets of it. But it was great because... <laughs> things that people love and are passionate about are, by definition, good things. It was It was really... It was weird. No, that is not true. Why? Because you can be passionate about axe murdering people. Well, they, they, they played in, in, a, in a group of four, <laughs> but they had a guest, and the, the guest, the fourth player, was Post Malone. Oh, really? Which I thought, so I told Joey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we had talked about and some time ago. you play ago. Magic, too? Uh, I used to when I was younger, but. I'm such a dipshit. I thought those covers were actually stuck to the cards. And I couldn't figure out oh, how I should, it was yeah, changing I should have the, the cards at my house. And he thought all the card protectors uh-huh. were, per- were permanent oh. parts. Because they were new and they were really tight. And yeah. I used, like, I can change these. And I'm like. Okay, how do you change these? <laughs> yeah, I think I was mainly interested in the like the aesthetics of it because I was a kid. Yeah. Kids are the really artwork is a phenomenal, like amazing, yeah, yeah. It's crazy good. Yeah, but go so, ahead, but tell so, your story. They, so they, they play they play a game of Commander and and which is the hundred card variation, and, which is um, the one you're doing. Yeah, and uh, uh, come, sh- sure enough, like it it shouldn't it shouldn't come as any surprise, but but come to find out, apparently. And I don't know if they played multiple games and just put up, you know, posted the one where post one. But anyway, he won. But he had all these crazy cards. And, you know, we talked some weeks ago that, yeah, that he was in the news yeah, he for buying big money. Yeah, because he can't afford right. those yeah. big-ass cards. So right. naturally, he's going to be the champion. Right. Well, that's the the value of the card does not necessarily correspond to its value in the game, like the dollar value. Right. Like, I remember there being a lot of really, like... Uh, example, um, like Lightning Bolt, which was a good, solid red spell. Yeah. Um, you know, you could. They were, they were dirt cheap. You know, they were like worth a nickel or less. And, <laughs> and now, probably, I don't know what they're worth. What they're worth now, but we, we could ask Spencer. But he's getting ready to. Anyway, what, but I will say this. So I also read. This was a long time ago, though. Uh, so bear with me. We're talking about Magic: The Gathering game. 
also. For the moment. For yeah. the moment. Because um, people might not know what the hell we're talking about. I, I did read an article in Forbes, I think. I want to say it was Forbes, where they talked about the cards being like the stock market. Where cards can shoot up. Random cards would just shoot up in value. Like, random, like if you think of each card as a stock. Right. That random cards would decrease or increase in value. And, and in some cases, like wide swings based on gameplay elements. So like with each new set, they might okay. they might bring in like a new mechanic or like a new yeah. character or a new something. And that may make another card that it becomes synonymous with it that has a good uh, synergy. That right. is just like the stock market. I was and, going and to so say that the cards are only, they only represent like speculative value, whereas stocks, you have the inherent value of the company or stock. But what you're saying is, is it actually becomes more valuable in a practical way in gameplay, which makes it more expensive. Right. In addition to right. which stocks which also is have, similar which is kinds of speculative value. value. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like I, like uh, like I was, in, was in the shop in Jacksonville uh, the other day called Called, uh, Guild Gaming, so we'll throw them a shout out too. Um, and I was looking for a card, a land card called Reliquary Tower, and it's just a land, it's not doesn't do anything special. It just allows you to have uh, an infinite number of cards in your hand. So normally you can't have That's more pretty than, good. more than seven. Yeah, but yeah. But see, so many decks now card are advantage. based on drawing cards, yeah. playing spells to draw and draw and draw cards, <laughs> or discard and cycle cards. So if you have that card, then you can't, you don't, and that was what one of the cards Post had in his, in his commander deck when he played. So he was building up all these crazy cards, and right at the end of the game, where he thought he was down, he got to cast all these crazy spells, and then he wiped everyone out. Um, and I asked the guy at the store, I was, you know, I was, this is a year or two ago, this was maybe like a dollar card, two dollar card. And now it's like, you can't find one, and it's maybe like five bucks. And I know that's not a, a crazy, but it's become more desirable, so therefore its its value has... Are there Twitch channels for magic? Jeez, oh, Spencer would know. I have no idea. There should be. Yeah, I, I'm sure there is. It's a game. I don't follow it th- that like that way. You know, I, I mean, I play with him for fun. I mean, you might enjoy watching that. I mean, I'm sure there's... there's well, generally speaking, that's the other thing. Generally speaking, I really don't like to sit around and, and unless we're watching like a movie or I'm watching an documentary. So you don't, or, right? You wouldn't watch sports or anything like that, or well, no, no. I, I do, I do love to watch soccer. And oh, that's I like, right. You know, like so, there's some sports I will watch. Yeah. Generally speaking, I don't I, anymore. I don't much care to sit and watch TV. I'd rather read, listen to music, DJ, play music. Something like that. Go outside, you know, like because you don't enjoy television, or you feel like you need to be more purposeful with your time. I think more the latter than the former. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'll sit and watch a movie. I mean, like, yes, like we were talking previously. uh, uh, I spent yesterday afternoon watching Star Wars. Oh, that's right. Just to just to relax, you know. Um, Episode four, by the way, for anyone who cares, but uh, just so we could hang out and relax. you know, we watched at nights oh, before yeah. we went to bed some weeks ago. We rewatched on HBO, which worst, I think we've said this too, worst interface system, HBO Max. They've got to do better with that. Uh, we watched all the original Scooby-Doo cartoons. Oh, my God. From 69, it's like the first two seasons from 69 and 70. Did those was, include the ones with Scooby-Dumb or just before that? Those are, I think those are the new Scooby-Doo movies. 
and that's also on there. We haven't gotten to that yet. Okay. Now we're watching Johnny Quest. If you remember Johnny Quest, yeah. I think oh I asked my you God. about this. Yeah, well, there's like an old, yeah. There's like the original Johnny Quest. Yeah, which is this. And then there's they did like a revitalization of it in like the nineties when we or were young, like that. right? Yeah. 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 So we've been watching that, and the reason we've been watching Johnny Quest was when we were in Los Angeles uh, on vacation before COVID. We stayed in a Airstream there. And the guy had a DVD collection of Johnny Quest. The first night we were there, we put it in just so we could chill out before we went to bed. And the episode was all about psilocybin mushrooms. And I, this is blowing my mind. This Old is a, time? Yeah. This is like a child's cartoon from the 70s. And it's like, here's Dr. Quest talking about Silas and, and psilocybin and the possibilities. Was it a sympathetic portrayal of oh, it? Oh, yeah. It was like, really? oh, yeah. The, yeah he's, like, he's like, yes, Johnny, you can do experiments with these. And... I would have uh, thought by the 70s, the image of psychedelics would have been corrupted enough by, like, you know, the counterculture and the whole Manson Yeah, dealio. I don't know. But there, but, but, so now, so we're watching it to try to find that particular episode. That episode. So we don't know, you know, so we're watch, just watching it in order. But generally speaking, and I, I don't dislike TV. I always, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed TV. I watched a lot of TV as a kid. I think I feel like most people who had TVs might have did. I don't know, but now as I'm older, in part because of doing this podcast, in part because of hanging out with you guys, both with the podcast and in in you know just our casual right. lives, and my constant interpersonal battle with my degree being in English, right, and feeling like I I have to be. Reading, reading, and be able to have a, a mastery of vocabulary and deeper, deeper philosophic thought. I just feel like I need to be doing more to activate my brain, read, connect my senses to things. Okay, I have an idea for like an overarching topic then, with the Magic the Gathering thing and the TV watching. Um, how should how should people um, spend their time? What constitutes a, a, a quality versus a non-quality interest? Because, okay, classic criticism of our generation, generation below us, and of every generation what below generation every other you? generation. Millennial. Okay. Yeah. I would be but, a geriatric millennial. Yeah. The the notion that kids these days are just wasting their time doing X, right? Right, right, right. And this uh the increasing popularity of video games is another good example or mm. people's just generally people's emotional investment in media very specific media and the iconography surrounding it um and i think that there's been a major backlash uh directed at our generation that we should be more deliberate more productive um do things that are better for us rather than pursuing um, just, I guess, raw, you know, entertainment or pleasure, specifically like passively consuming media. So, no, I think this is this is good. Joey said on something really good. You've tied it all together. You're like the rug in Lebowski's room. I'm <laughs> really tied the room together, which that's another good example. Like, does knowing a piece of pop culture or does knowing a piece of media really well, is that 
like akin a, a good, to is, is that a good authentic way of relating to people and relating to the world does it yes. make you cultured yes like, it what is a type would of culture. culture be in that case yes because you could easily say you could turn that into words and read that in a screenplay you're, you're like literally that's what we do about shakespeare that's yeah. the way we teach shakespeare exactly and that's There's a, a dumb way to teach shakespeare issue. right you should be acting out the play not reading it like um they d- it does something different when you see like if you take somebody to see a shakespeare play that's never seen one they're like oh my god this is so much better than reading the damn screenplay well, well shakespeare was shit if you knew people were reading his screenplays instead of actually going to see his plays yeah and people well okay people interacting people judging each other and judging themselves for the kind of media right. they consume if you shift the context back so right now people are like oh well it's not shakespeare or something like that but if you go back to shakespeare's time guys who were writing plays were like oh i'm just wasting my life on this like you know ridiculous like stupid playwriting when I should be working on my Latin or working on my Greek right, or, or translating starving something. to death <laughs> you know because they're you know they're trying to make a living being a playwright I have the best mental image of someone in like medieval times well like, can so. you pull his hair back put a monk's outfit on him and he would be he would be walking around the abbey I'm concerned Talk about trust, you. making wine. Like, you I know. No, no, I love it. I love sandals, it. Yeah. little sandals, you could see them. Keep, keep going, keep going. It sounds like when you're saying, like, it would, and I'm not, I don't want to no, criticize no, no, you, no, but you. anytime somebody's saying, like, I should be doing this instead of doing this, I worry that they're going to lose a lot of energy not going where their pleasure tends. And I know that, like, pleasure and qualities of pleasure is something that you... You can cultivate. You can cultivate like what you intellectually think right, of you like can, being better interests. Right. Right. But I, I don't like the idea of people putting pressure on themselves of going like, oh, I should be doing something better than this, or I should be reading something. I should be doing something that's like more educated or more like culturally sound, or I should be spending my time better. When really, like, you're going to get at least the most results, the most seamless results, the in a lot of ways the most fulfillment, going where your pleasure already leads you. Like I think, I think in my case, I will say this. So you're high culture or low culture is what you're kind of doing? Yeah, I think that people in trying to like, like pursue things that they think of as being better for themselves, they're actually going to be working against their own nature and they're going to end up not getting anything out of anything because they're not going to feel compelled to it. Well, but I think you can develop develop a pleasure center for a piece of high art just by studying it. Exposure. You know what I mean? Exposure. I really so good. so you can you can change your taste or add something like I used to not like jazz. I used to think it sounded like noise. But as I listened to more jazz, and then I went to see a jazz, or actually I didn't, I accidentally went to a jazz show, and, um, you know, the energy of it and the power of it kind of got me, like, interested in jazz. So, um, I think just just doing what your what your pleasures are and not actually going out and seeing other kinds of culture and other kinds of things can kind of limit your thinking in a way. Um, so I kind of halfway agree with you. I kind of like, I think, I think you still need to experiment and go do other things. And if, if, you know, if something's saying, well, I need to do something better with my life, 
my free time, maybe I should go garden. And then they go garden for a little while and then they find they love gardening too. You know, so it kind of... Mm. I would say in my... So I'm saying half and half. In my case, like, my, my bane is a, a choice of... It's a pick your poison of pleasures. Right. You know, so like... I mean, we are that society. Right. I enjoy making music more than I enjoy watching TV. So I would... In, so in that sense, it would be more... I would rather pursue the pleasure that I enjoy more than the other. Yeah. So that brings one really good reason for doing something is because it makes all things be yes, equal. Yes, I, I agree. Right. I agree. But now, I, I do think that, yeah, I agree with you that I think a, a, a hard a hard accusation has been levied against us, our, like, you know, whatever, I guess, X and beyond, or millennials. And, and, and Y and beyond. Because we're, you know, we're lazy, we're slackers, we're this, that, or the other, but there's been some big, 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 big societal shifts. I mean, you know, without video games, you might not have people who are tech-oriented, programmers, computer people. Uh, I think well, also, video games are good for people's mental health in a lot of ways, especially when you have ones that are cooperative. Because mm. you're actually people... That gives people goals to pursue within... A restricted context and can also put them in a position where they're competing against each other and they're working with each other to achieve goals. Right. And that's a lot of the point of socialization and a lot of the like kind of play activities that people are programmed to perform and benefit from. So have you ever have you ever read or heard of Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game? Wow, the, I the, have definitely heard the term Ender's Game before, but I have no idea what it is. I'm, so he, I'm going to give it he's away. He's a professor at UNCG. Orson, Orson Scott, Scott Card, Card, really? Well, he, I don't. He's not a full-time professor there, but he does come uh, in and teach a class. Well, he's had some pretty nasty accusations levied at him. I'm surprised. Oh yeah, by that. over and over For again. For what? Um, yeah, being a, so I, a homophobic I, and anti-gay. I thought. Yeah, yeah, he does do things like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I, uh, uh, the, hmm. the, the loose the loose plot of this book is they they have all these kids come in. To it's actually a pretty good. You watch the movie. It's on HBO or on like Netflix or Prime. Ender's Game. Okay. The loose plot of the book is they have all these I'll, kids come in. I'll look it's up a, some reviews and see if it's worth my very valuable media consumption. It's, it's, it's a better movie. It's a better book than movie, but it's the movie's actually not that bad. I've never seen it, but they, they basically bring in kids to play video games, and it's like um, the movies. I mean, the book's pretty good. It's simulators, and this one character is better than all the others, and they put him through all these simulations, and they finally put him through this last one, and they tell him like, "This is it. You got to do this. You got to knock all these." And, Anyway, come to find out, they were actually fighting real, war. real, real wars, and then he wins, mm-hmm. and 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 he thinks he's winning a game, but he's actually won the war, and it's real. Anyway, so back to your, I, I bring this up to reference the point of with you saying the video games can help people, if in that way, if there's a reward there, like hey, you're achieving. Yeah, my only my only thing with video games, which I'm not against them. Because like I, I really loved like Final Fantasy and Metal Gear. I was a bitch on Mario Kart. I was killing people on that stuff back in Super Nintendo days. But the only thing with video games, unless you move a TV outside, is you're not. And, and I'm not. And I'm not trying to yeah. say like you gotta be outside. But I think it's good for all people to have some mild connection in and out with nature in that sense okay so i think that brings up the like the second level of if you're talking about 
if you're assessing the quality of people's interests, then, okay, let's start with, does it make a person happy, right? People, it's good for people to do things that make them happy, all things being equal. An additional level to that would be a person doing something that is in consideration of their long-term happiness. Right. Like, is it ultimately good for you and is it going to maximize your happiness? Just still only talking about the one person throughout your life. And that is where kind of a, a lot of a lot of things end up coming up short because a lot of what we the options we have now are indoor sedentary activities, um, even if they are social and even if they utilize the instincts for competitiveness or obtaining goals or you know whatever complicated thinking reflexes all the qualities that people say that video games still encompass you're still not moving around which is a problem for a person's long-term health and probably a person's long-term happiness so I think that's a fair criticism reading has the same problem assuming that you're not walking down the beach reading a book or which would be really tough i think you'd bump your ass into somebody it's a very pro <laughs> i used to know a guy that rode down the road reading the paper oh my god <laughs> he got pulled a lot <laughs> the um audiobooks are a big advantage for that because you can pretty much do i mean it increases the number of healthful activities you can do while i never thought in. i would like an audiobook but i love them what do you guys use for your audiobooks what like what service or app or whatever i have audible which is great but it's a subscription but you don't have an iphone right no okay so audible it's yeah. amazon and what yep. do you have audible is amazon yep, yeah i have that too you have audible also because it's just convenient yeah and they give if you have an Audible account, you pay a subscription fee, you get like a credit a month, um, they have some pretty good sales. It integrates well with Kindle, which I really don't use Kindle a whole lot. But So in, in light of all this, you know, like what is your use of time? What is the right? So I think, so you know, I was raised by a woman who was born in 35, so in a lot of ways, in a sense, I, I feel like I, I was raised under the values of, like, the late 50s, early 60s, you know, when she That's was... why you like rockabilly. Maybe, when she was having her, her you know, her kids then, you know, yeah. and, and teaching them, so I think that's part of why I have this driven sense of, like, I gotta be doing something, like, constructive, because, like... Okay. Well, and you do. You're well, always doing something. But back then, though, you didn't have video games. You, you know, like, it was it was a sin to be inside. What are you doing inside? Get out. Get out of the house. Well, they used to throw the kids out and lock the door. Right. <laughs> so I, I think I have to divorce myself in some ways, which is, which is you know, and you've nicked me for this before, which I agree with, and it's right, is that I do get kind of um, curmudgeonly on the youth about, like, well, you know, those damn kids, why aren't they out, you know, doing stuff, you know? But but Because you care about them. But I have to divorce myself from my own, I think, institutionalism in that sense. I mean, when you were growing up, did, did were you in that? Were your parents that way? Brad, you got to get out. You got to go. No. And I was thinking... How much did I actually stay inside? But I was inside a decent amount. 
because I didn't have to go outside. Yeah. Did your parents ever give you flack for staying in playing video games, doing stuff like that? Uh, no. Uh, most of the times when I was younger, I was playing video games. I'd say elementary school video gaming was mainly like a social thing. And then I got more into solo video gaming in middle school. But they were never, they kind of just wanted me to be happy and really disliked when I would complain about being bored, which I guess I did a lot as a kid, which seems strange I think most retrospectively. Though, yeah. But maybe an unwillingness or an inability to... Uh, pursue things of interest rather than in demanding that things of interest be thrust upon me. I don't know. Is um, that what you demanded? What? That you, your parents need to figure out something to keep you from being bored. Maybe kind of. That is what kids do. Honest. Ava does that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, so bored. I'm go, go find, you got a room full of shit. Go find something to do. Uh, okay. The additional level I'd want to bring up. So Short-term happiness, does doing it make you happy? Long-term happiness, does whatever you're doing, is it going is it to healthy and happy? make you, yeah, is it health and, you know, all those things come into it. Additional level being, is what you're doing good for society or good for reasons greater than yourself? Like, do, your, do you have obligations on your time that are beyond your own interests and happiness? So a bigger problem being like, well, if people are just consuming media, if they're just concentrating on being happy, like finding some kind of like bliss on tap or whatever, they're not doing things that are going to be best for everybody. They're not doing the like the fundamental things that are going to move us ahead or move us forward or even maintain us as a society. Um, a lot of well, people complain about people not taking um, obligations towards like um, long-term financial and social well-being seriously. Not concentrating on things like starting families, um, which then the that's levied at your generation a decent amount yeah and the the common response is well millennials generally compared to other generations even if they wanted to they don't have the resources and they don't have the status in life to securely do things like own homes have an established stake in their community and start families which i, but, I think all that is, is well is i would like true. to Let's talk about but, but one the old point. People in are there. like, "Oh, well, you're just sitting around playing video games, and you're not. That's why you're." But not I would doing say it. some of the works that people watch actually changes social society. I think about LGBTQ plus issues being changed by shows like Modern Family and things like that. So there is a social benefit to watching media that actually expands the notion of society and creates more inclusive in society I agree um, with that so it's not all you know your rump's not just growing right because you're sitting there watching TV you are now I'm I'm one to say kick kick people outside too but but uh, so I don't think that's all bad um, and so far as production of our society I think you know everybody probably needs to be a little bit more involved um, in, in, in our, the functioning of our society and our government for certainly for governance sake but um, so 
there's there's that there's that medium the the, the path the Buddha the Buddha talked about right the, the, the middle path you know yeah the of that, that kind of you know where you need some of that because it shows the values just like all art shows the and literature shows the values of society in story format so media does the same thing yeah right? a lot yeah. of the a lot of the virtues of classical literature that people talk about and what it does for the person reading it is this um, similar it, yeah it's the same thing that that movies give us right. even blockbuster movies like the notion of the hero the notion of hero transcending odds that that sense of a common like well you, you know, know literary critique goes through and does that to movies and plays yeah. and it's all you know like, from Melville to you know to some fancy movie that well, can, you can take tenant right you know people are taking yeah. apart these things and looking at them and that's what they some of them have, that's what their jobs are you can take the what somebody would consider the trashiest rap song you can find that came out yesterday and I use rap as an example not because of that not because I think less of it, but for some reason people definitely target it as being socially regressive or simplified in a way. But and you can analyze it and you get really interesting thoughts on and maybe you're you know, taking something that's not meant to be intellectual and turning it intellectual, that's a good argument. But you end up with great thoughts on like what masculinity is, what sex is, what love is, all that stuff. Yeah, it's representational. It's stated in all media. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be and that's why when you you take low media after a length of time and just people's people being taken out of context from it look back on it analyze it and all of a sudden it's highly intellectual and it just gains that over time it wasn't designed to be intellectual it was, it was designed to be popular and to be accessible right but people's inability to understand it immediately and the fact that the themes are common turns it into an intellectual exercise like Shakespeare I'd agree with that I agree with that, but let's talk about the the inside outside thing. So, you, when you talk about like doing something productive with society, like what's leveled against media, uh, millennials, that they're not productive for society, is that kind of what you were saying? I think that's a criticism that I think every generation kind of has of the one under it. But I don't yeah. think that about millennials, but. I'm around a lot of millennials, so I, I think they're. Well, I was going to ask you at one point, how do you, how do you, how did, you, how would your student body, when you like your students, do you think they're outdoor people, indoor people? Do you see them as being more tech-based, or do you think they're more reading? Do you think they're more film people? You know, like, are there is there an amalgamation of all of that in your student? There body? is an amalgamation, but I would say that they're concerned about adventure explain that concerned so about concerned adventure. about adventure so they want to go on trips they want to go on hikes they want to go on canoeing they See, want they, to go canoeing they want, they want to go kayaking they want okay. an experiential and some of that is because it's sold right it's part of our our you know the way capital capitalistic society works so it's a commodity uh -huh. so like going on this trip and then putting it on your instagram it raises your social status or whatever but uh, I do feel like there's just a natural urge, Pe you know, because we don't really have a frontier. Well, I guess we do space, 
but well, I think, I think if we the said, final frontier, well, right? No, I but, think we've yeah. got a lot of frontiers here, actually. You know, tech. I think tech is a frontier that we're not, mm-hmm. we're not quite there yet. We haven't. Well, and certainly psychedelics are a frontier that we're re-exploring. But some of us are but re-exploring. I, but I would some say, of us have been out there a long time exploring. Okay. <laughs> some of our sages, right? But, <laughs> but the uh, I would say that there 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 is a decent amount of of the adventure, and I would say seventy percent of my students now because I'm I teach a higher. I mean, I teach a, a little bit up in in the class listings that people are more um, defined like they they've been kind of thinking about what they wanted to do and thinking about themselves they're kind of more defined but uh, the uh, I think that they they really want to go out and see the world and see the places um, and and make those things happen Hmm. but now some of that is that I deal with the social sciences and history and geography and people that like those kind of things like to go out and explore so there might be some bias you know in that Uh, but but I can think about in the general ed population that I've talked to like like they like to go do stuff so the Millennials I don't think they're like the typical on Twitch watching video games, right. you know, eating potato chips and in their parents' basement. That is not the model that I see in practice. There's always, it might, ex- I mean, it might exist to uh, the majority, but I right. certainly don't see that. Um, the millennials that I'm around are highly motivated to have a good time, to go out, to change the world, you know, those kind of things. I, I, I agree for the most part. I think that that's true. So the the thing, and I, I don't know if we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but there was an article, I'll have to find it, um, about the geriatric millennials, which as I understood it were 80 to 85. So I'm on the tail end of that. Um, that we were the only generation equipped to lead us, whomever us are, into the next phase of our greater existence because we're the only generation that can remember life before mass tech. Non-digital. Right. And mass media in that sense and life with it. And then, you know, from whatever, 80, probably like 87 on, 88 on, internet became widely available, Ataris, Nintendos, more than three TV channels, and then advancements, advancements. So I think you're right with space being a frontier, but I think just... Our social interactions now have been redefined. I think that's a new frontier. Drugs, I think, is a new frontier. I really do. Um, you mean like drugs that saves lives or drugs that alter consciousness? All of them. Okay. Ooh, drugs that alter consciousness have now are increasingly been proven to save lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Better, so, equal, or better treatment compared to antidepressants is psilocybin. So I, I don't, I don't. Well, I don't, I don't think certainly the studies that they're doing at John Hopkins right now have been showing some evidence of that. But I think generally you know, we're not we're not medical experts. Right. No, <laughs> yeah, disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. generally speaking, nor do we play any on TV at this point. And I mm. and I think this happens to people as they age. So I don't want to make this about like old people necessarily because right. we all become old at some point 
Yeah, if oh, you want to know about ha being handicapped or right. handicap laws, that's what one of the handicapped teachers used to say. Just wait, but I you'll think, understand. Mm, being I think as, mm. as we get older, as we grow older, we are we are yeah. we are loath. You're gonna need that ramp. <laughs> we are loath to accept things that we don't immediately or even or even fairly quickly understand. Yes, and so I think with all the new advancements, tech. The way people live their lives, um, cell phone, the whole thing. When the older older generations, like you know, my 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 moms, uh, and by my mom I mean the woman who raised me, uh, my grandma, uh, you know, your parents, Joey's parents to some degree, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, well, the, you guys are lazy. You guys don't do anything. Ah, well, things are things are different, and you don't understand that, or you're not, you know. It's like my grandmother's technology illiterate, minus mm. her Kindle and the TV. Right. You know, she can check her email, she can read her books, she can watch TV. That's it. Now, she doesn't, she doesn't, you know, hate on the younger generation. She just simply, you know, that's just what it is. But she doesn't understand all this stuff. You know, she doesn't dislike rap. She just doesn't get it. You know, she never really disliked any of the music I listened to as a kid. She just couldn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And this kind of thing. Um, so I think it's hard. I think it's difficult to criticize all the young, and, I, and I'm guilty of it, you know, criticizing Xenials or whatever, and, or, or whatever they're called, um, for being, you know, lazy or incompetent or, or, or these things. And in some cases, my, my critiques have been correct, and in some cases they are not. Um, but I, I think in the changing world, I think part of the problem, like you're talking about, people wanting to be leaders, looking for adventure, looking for the next thing. Of course, I would also say, um, what, what is that famous uh, saying? Action, adventure, a Jedi craves not these things. Um, with that said, though, the idea to want to be a leader and change, the older generations have to get out of the way. They have to believe that we can do it. Ooh, which they're... Yeah, which they're not. Which they're which, not. They're yeah, not. They're that. not letting go of, of power. Uh, they're not letting transition happen. Well, I don't know that they've ever done that very well. well no, no, and I, I don't disagree with you there either. But yeah. maybe because I'm getting older and I'm more aware of it, I'm I see it more. When I'm, obviously, when you're young, you don't see shit like that. You don't think about it. But I don't. I don't see a lot of. And we used to talk to Lockwood about this all the time. But that, you know, because he would, that was one of his acts is, well, where's the leaders? Where's the leaders? Where's the new leaders? And we'd say, well, Lockwood, you know, you won't, you won't quit. You won't retire. How's someone supposed to do the next radio show? How's someone supposed to run the next newspaper if you don't let someone stand? And I'm not trying to criticize. Yeah, well, they talk about young people like there's some far off thing or people under the age of like 50. Like there's some far off thing that just hasn't happened yet that everybody's like waiting for. Like, when's it going to happen? Well, that's not how things actually work. Um, I'm looking for a list of U.S. senators by age <laughs> as an example of what you were saying with mm. people not That'd be a great, moving out. That would be a great coalition. And then, I mean, well, a then you great get, and then you get collating. Young, and I'm going to say this because I can. And, you know, obviously our, once again, all the opinions you hear on this podcast belong to just me, Brad and Joey. But this particular opinion yeah. belongs to just me. And that is, then you get young people like that dipwad Madison Cawthorn, feckless piece of shit. Okay, over 40% of U.S. senators are between are in their 60s, okay? 
over 20% of U.S. senators are in their 70s, right? Holy over, shit. <laughs> yeah, 20% of U.S. senators are in their 50s, and 5% of U.S. senators are over the age of 80. So that's like five senators. There you go. Over 80. Like 21 senators in their 70s. So, I mean, what's like... That's so, hello, we got a word for that age of that we need to have happen. It's called retirement. Right. Go out None and have a good time with 30s. your damn grandkids. And only... Yeah, there are only like 12 senators that are so under the age of 50. So compare that to the 60s. Uh, that would be great to see by, yeah. by decade what was average. the average. Yeah. It's probably not in there. That's the like something Pew stew, would do Senator Brookings. old of the House. What? Huh? I was saying Senate, senators tend to be older than people in the House. Right, because it's easier to get elected to the um, House. Well, so, but I don't, again, I, I don't know. Going back to this larger theme of, you know, reconciling what you're doing as a fulfillment and then greater societal, I would think all of us are built with an innate urge to want to, to feel like we're doing something. That's mm-hmm. making that's making a a larger change, and I think that's that's regardless of age or anything. I think everyone inherently wants to feel like something that they're doing or they've done can change the world. Sure. Yeah, and is it a lack of? Okay, I think that there would be two. Okay, stereotyping, generalizing. The older generation looking at the younger generation would say that the younger generation isn't concerned about things where they can affect positive change or contribute in a meaningful way to society, whereas the younger generation would defend themselves in saying that they, they don't have access to avenues that would allow them to do things like that. And I think politics is a perfect example. By the way, average age of a U.S. Senator in 1980 was 47. Average age of a U.S. Senator today is 56. So it's a full 10 years older. Wow. Not to mention much more skewed into like the 70s and over area. Right, right. yeah, because the, that the closer to 50 is not the closer to 80. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, only in 1980, only 5, only 5% of U.S. senators were over the age of 60. Today, 40% of U.S. senators are over the age of 60. That's insane. And it's not... Uh, how long people are living either that makes a difference. It's totally demographics. And yet the young... So what do you attribute that change to? Mm, well... I mean, we, we have some evidence now, so... The, what, well, the we baby boomers are getting older. They're a large generation. So that is going to skew because now you actually have baby boomers who are over the age of 60. Whereas then you didn't have baby boomers And they vote the for each 60. other? Um... I'm sure incumbency factors into it. Right. If you've been doing it for a certain period of time, then you have so the that infrastructure gives, so and the support. You, that gives a case for term limits, at least a, at least if, some kind of term limit. Well, term if we agree, a, a no-brainer. But the people can't hang on. They they can't stand to lose power. People, yeah. it it term limits do have a huge amount of popular support. Term limits, uh, decreasing the uh, the two-party system. 
um, getting money out of politics, getting private influence out of politics, all those things have overwhelming popular support. Mm-hmm. But is it, a, is it too simple to say that it doesn't happen because the people who would be voting for it benefit from it too much? Maybe. I mean, it, well, and... Uh, I think, I will say, and I, and I, do, and I know this, this gets hit on a lot, but I do agree with it. I think the crash in 08... The housing market as it's been since then, before then, since then, and now, and COVID, I think, has really, 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 really punched our generation in square, the square in the nuts. <laughs> Be, because because it, at least I, I can't speak for you, but I know when I was growing up, for me, it was money, 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 security, security, security. Again, I want to state that my, my mother was born in 35. This is a post-depression. When it was money, 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 security, security, security. Right. So all I was ever told was, you got to go to school, you got to get a college degree, you got to get a job that makes money, you got to work the ladder, you got to get up, but you got to make that money. You got to get money, you got to get security because that's the only way that you can buy a house, sustain your life, have a family, travel, do all the things that you want to do. Now there's all these what they call life hacks and stuff, you know, that you see videos and stuff on, whatever. So if you grew up with that mentality beat into your head and then you have a fallout, a financial fallout, you're riddled with college debt, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the entire world stops for virtually a year. If you've been driven your whole, well, you got to have a job and you got to have money. Well, then if you're sitting around without a job or without money or mm-hmm. with a job that doesn't have a lot of money or... Maybe you've got college debt, or maybe you've got health issues, or whatever. Yeah, how, how do you how, how do you ascend the ranks to your leadership roles, even even if people were letting go? If you didn't have the the resources or the funds to do it, then it wouldn't matter. Would yeah, it? the best arguments that I've heard for relieving people of student debt aren't a fairness argument. It's the or an equality argument it's the idea that people who have a lot of debt are less capable of doing positive things for their communities and for society because they don't take risks they're not secure they can't pursue things that they actually care about well and i would also say that the baby boomers their percentage of college debt was really low because college was a hell of a lot cheaper for the baby boomers. And it wasn't as widely available to as many people. That's true. It wasn't true. the assumed default of somebody's But it was some some schools were free. Right. Some well, public schools were free. But it also wasn't being sold to you than the way it's sold to people now as a... And I'm, and I'm, and I'm not saying college is a bad thing or, or education is a bad thing. It's not what I mean. But it's not... It wasn't sold to you then. Well, you know? what we're trying to do, well, it, if the elites thought college was great then, um, and they got this power from it, then everybody should be able to be exposed to that power. So that's the idea behind everybody going to college, that it would do the society good, it would do everybody good, the but then it has to be free, right? right? The people who are actually benefiting from all the capital going into colleges aren't 
really the people who are going to the college oh yes by far yeah, the statistics show the that, no statistics show actually that if you have a college degree you make a lot more money in your life yeah you make a lot more money but like is it is it proportionate to what's being put into it though like sure. really the the people who have jobs at universities are the people who benefit well, they benefit directly from the jobs, but society benefits from universities. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. I mean, if you want to get into the university discussion, we might should save that for another time, but okay. society benefits. I mean, just look at the discoveries, almost every discovery. But does it benefit proportionate to, like, the tuition going into it and the time? Well, the, the tuition's variable. It. Like, these state schools, people shouldn't be paying this tuition. They weren't designed for the the student to bear the weight. They were designed for the state to bear the weight. Well, and Harvard doesn't survive on tuition money either. Well, the Harvard's the largest landowner in Cambridge. They're a corporation. And you know, they get they, lots and lots of money from people who are not paying to go to school there. Right. Well, plus they have, they have other things. But Harvard tuition is grossly out of whack. But they're a private institution. Yeah. I'm thinking more about state institutions, which were designed for people to be able to, the middle class and, and lower class people to be able to go to school. Okay. Right? And so, and that's why the tuition used to be a lot cheaper. Like when I went to school, the tuition was a lot cheaper. Even if you put in, you know, the expansion factors and inflation factors. Yeah. Like it was a lot cheaper than what you guys paid. And it's a lot, a lot, lot cheaper than what people pay now. So, yeah, what I'm asking is where's where's that money going and has it gone to the benefit of the people who are attending? Well, like, that is money it, are they goes getting directly better educated into and they're living better lives because of it? Like they're getting a return on their yes. investment or is it just getting sucked up by something Well, else? and also you're making, that's in certainly a neoliberal argument saying that uh, using it as like, this is what I'm getting out of it because this is what I pay into it. Because yeah. education is really difficult to say exactly what you get out of it. Well, money, all I'm, yeah, and I think that I don't need necessarily a hard dollar return on investment, but if you, if you spend 10 times more on something, then that money is going somewhere. Um, I'm, you I'm only spend 10 times more on it because of the fact that the state doesn't spend what they used to spend on it. So and because of it's more expensive because it's not, the public supported. funding is decreased? Right massively is it is that like is it so direct? some of them used to be like, free and now now the state only pays like some of them 20 percent okay so that would justify the difference yeah the difference yeah. comes from somewhere now that's not a private university yeah right that is a public university but the whole point was that the state was going to pay the majority right that was going to give them you know give people the ability to go to school. Yeah, because it benefits the state. Hence right. why state tuition is significant. And there's not a lot of, of of fluff in the university system. Our, our university okay, is that, so slim. No, no, no. I'm like glad we you run put on it a margin. exactly that way because that is not what the general perception is. Especially no, amongst conservatives. Yeah. It's assumed yeah. that you have all these, like all these social programs, all these very esoteric things that money is getting fun funneled into that without, um, 
without people promoting them and without people enforcing them, they wouldn't exist. Just like strange things. People always reference like things like um, like like cultural programs on universities. Um, like well, that is part of the education. Well, cultural programs are roles. part of the education. So part of the 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 the, the way a, a university works is social too. So it's not just the courses that you take, it's the experience that you have within the boundaries of the university. Yeah, and people don't view that as being actually valuable. It's super valuable because it's one of the few places where 20-year-olds are the majority and they, can, they, they bat around all these ideas, bubble up. And also they affect the scientists that are at the university. Like they, there's a the cultural exchange there, an exchange, a mental exchange there. You know, that they, you know, kind of bang into the, 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 the intellectual force in the country and it grows from that. It's dialectic. So bringing it back slightly. So is attending a university, the, how does that fall on the scale of like what is worth and is not worth people's time? And how should you look at because people who have gone to college a lot of times, especially if they do not have employment in what they pursued in college or they bitter, have debt. If you're debt, bitter about it or, like me, yeah. Well, I mean, people look at people who went to college and they, they make the assessment. They say, like, you made a bad investment decision. That was not the correct way. Now they say it's not the correct way to spend your money, but they also say it isn't a correct way for people to, by default, spend their, their time. time right. So that comes back to the, the judgment of like, well, do people, obviously people aren't making the decision to go to college purely based on their own happiness. I just want to go to college, like recreationally, because I'm going to have fun. I mean, it does, the notion of fun does factor into people's calculations, but it's not explicit because it's supposed to be a more practical choice. I well, think the bigger, the bigger choice is it's supposed to be a means of self-improvement. And right. ensuring somebody's like longer term. And happiness. I think it does do that. So it is a means in general, it is a means of self-improvement. But the idea that a degree has to be marketable is, you know, we don't know exactly what having an English degree does, but you're pretty successful for someone with an English degree. Mm. Like and statistically, it shows even with the English degree or even with a whatever degree, statistically, the average is that you make a ton times more money. Jeep in parade. The course, oh, yeah. Did you read about this? <laughs> yeah. 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 In the course of your lifetime, right? Is that because so, of how people perceive college degrees, or it actually makes people more capable at whatever they're doing? It makes people more capable, and also it, it develops a, a, a patterns of thought. Like, mm. it helps people explore patterns of thought. It helps people explore other things, things they might not have even thought about in their lifetimes. It also exposes the professors to things that they might not be aware of. And so it's the dialectic of knowledge banging into each Spencer, other. What's that term that you use for teacher-student? Right, so yeah. Yeah. Throwing, a one, throwing another one out to Spencer here on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, zone of proximal yeah. development is we did. We just Velosky, 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 I guess. So what does um, that mean? Wait, it has proximity in it? As, so as a student closeness. learns and a student gains knowledge, the teacher learns and gains knowledge, oh. and they are, they are 
equal equally gaining knowledge together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Plato said right. thousands of years ago. Like it creates a dialectic, and so the students learn from each other. The teacher learns from them, and it is a place. It is it is one of the few places where learning is the foremost. Where ideas. Any ideas. Ideas are the foremost things being thrown against the wall and trying to see what sticks. Okay, so, so I, I want to I go The back. value of them is, is, is pretty high in society. Like the idea that it's not, especially for the style of, of society that we have right now. Like it, we, if we could deliver all knowledge into people's brains and all thinking structures into people's brains in five seconds... You know that'd be a lot cheaper than having a university, but mm, you're not but, the matrix. Well, we're yeah. So we're not in the matrix yet, ish. Well, why isn't there more stuff mirroring that same like kind of goal and method outside of colleges? Then, if it's valuable for people, like why isn't there? There are. I mean, where do you think a case study comes from? And people use business. They use case studies in business all the time. Like they get a lot of the structures that you perceive to have been created were in the mind's eye of some student before they invented something, right? Mm, I don't see a lot of like we've talked about for people to deliberately pursue education and self enrichment outside of like the university or like age-wise past the university Oh, I think I think people do that. That's why they listen to podcasts. That's why they go, they do online courses. They do, you know, they take art classes. They do all kinds of stuff Mm, like that. But school is more mandatory. Right, right, right. So so it's first mandatory and then it's just, then it's the assumed A good professor would say you learn habits of the mind. Okay, well. Right, and then you. So two things, two things. Ray Bradbury never went to college, never learned to drive, became an amazing, obviously, writer that we all know about. Most of us agree that he's an amazing writer. Right. He swore up and down that all you ever needed was the tools you could find in your local library. We do not celebrate libraries very much anymore or other institutions of, uh, I might be re- using the wrong word here, didacticism, where you're teaching, teaching yourself, you're going places and learning for yourself. I know the term It is a one person. Uh, yeah, auto, maybe that's what it is. And maybe that's why I'm saying didactic. Anyway, double check me on that. Um, but so I want to go back to something you said about degrees. But without the dialectic, it doesn't expand as rapidly. Okay, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, have, libraries are parts of uh, universities. But like, but they even always like, have been. But, but I'm saying now, like those things, I guess now would be replaced with like. They're synonymous. Well, we have a li- we have libraries around here, but yeah, they probably don't serve the same purpose. Maybe. But so, but no, like. Well, so, they're supposed to serve a similar purpose. We're supposed to have courses at the library. You're supposed to have. Yeah, yeah, but now, but now, now you have YouTube videos and things like that. Stuff that you might have had at the library before. Now you can have in your palm of your hand with a video right. if you're being encouraged that way. Right. But there's so much, you know. Uh, detri- but to use detritus out but there. But to use a really specific case like Ray Bradbury is an anomaly. Ray Bradbury was an outlier. Right. Right. No. No. Right. Okay. But but what? So I want to go back to this thing that you said about. Um, when you get That's a, not to say everybody needs to go to college. So I, when you when you get a degree, a dialectic experience, I feel like everybody needs, but not necessarily one from a. Well, a if somebody needs like something like that, aren't they going to encounter it inevitably? Because otherwise, it's not applicable. Right. Well, I don't know. 
What? Okay, so if somebody <laughs> if 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 somebody the logic needs, was that wonky. If somebody needs an experience, right, in order to make them able to do what they want to do or what's going to benefit them, then aren't they I mean they're going to hit that situation where they don't have that experience and go try to find it. Well, yeah. okay, here you go. And the dialectic happens, or and in, in your in scope, struggling of, not having it, they're going to. You might gain not it. see Jeez. it. You might not see it because you haven't had the dialectic bang against you enough. The pressure create you to expand your thought. So, like having like a, I've had people sitting at a conference table before and say, "Oh my God, I've never thought of that before." Encountering a problem but not seeing right. the full set of possible solutions, or just not seeing the problem. Hmm. Right? Not asking the question. Okay. Because the classes are designed and the dialectic is designed. We're doing it right. This is a dialectic right here. So it's designed to, the specific type of conversation is designed to like pull this, pull learning and build learning. Okay. So, and so, so it causes the, the student or the participant to react. And I think it happens. Conferences are... You know, business conferences are like how many of those of you have you gone to a software conference before? Like where, you know, you sit in a room and all of a sudden, maybe you don't go to conferences like education mm-hmm. conferences. But mm-hmm. okay, so so you had said okay something about uh, making if you get a degree, actually making uh, it marketable. Like that shouldn't it's be worth, that shouldn't have to be a thing. Like that you have to go to college to get a degree that's marketable to get a return on your investment. That's what I was just sa- saying earlier. That's right, kind of right. what I was saying. So what I want to do, I'm trying to go back to that with what Joey's saying about, you know, uh, like a good use of your time. Yeah. So in today's I, I world, theoretically, we need more trades people. Yes. So with the way society is changing, and I'm trying to tie this all in here, with the way society is changing, then you have maybe not a not a lesser need for a degree but if you don't if you want to get away from trying to achieve a degree for marketability and as society is changing and we're trying to utilize the way people do spend their time pursuing pleasure in a way that helps themselves and helps society as society is changing things are becoming more mechanized do we go back to, do we move forward by going back to, and I don't know, I wasn't around then when you had like bards and, and, and inspirations and these types of things where they paid people. Where are poets? Right, right, where they right, paid people yeah. to sit around. And, the and, patrons. And, right. So do we go back to a time where like people like Joey and I, like where I stop being an electrician and Joey stops being a, a tech business person. And he becomes a poet. And we just sit around and that's what we do. We pontificate and write poetry and write theory and like... Well, what happens when the machines do the trades? Well, in some trades... Step it up. Right. In some trades, that's happening very quickly. And in some trades, it's going to take a long time. Well, yes. But that's that's what I'm saying. But yeah, we end up with a bunch of idle time and that totally changes the dynamic. So then we have to become... We all become artists. We all become poets. We all become philosophers. I mean, if you want to do that... Right, okay, or we become spacemen. But right, you so know. If, but if college, like, okay, so you you do K through twelve. Ground control, if that, the major time. If that if that even continues in the future, you do K through twelve, and then all of a sudden you're going to college. But college is free, and on top of that, whatever you choose to pursue, it doesn't matter. If you want to study, because everybody has a income. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So then, when you're done, whether you have a degree or not. You're going to have some form of either A, employment, or B, universal income, where what you're ultimately achieving 
really, it, it matters because it matters to you, but it doesn't really matter because you don't have to go out and find something to pay for it to sustain yourself. Oh, then, so you've gotten rid of capitalism? Then what happens to your use of time and what's a quality? Because then at that I think point, that, that you, implies you that could my, be hedonistic and it wouldn't, theoretically, wouldn't well, matter. Well, yeah, so that implies that my of my one self-pleasure, two long-term self-pleasure, and three social good, two and three are already satisfied. Right. Because but I'm asking, whatever like, what is in place, you don't have to worry about your long-term health or some kind of degradation of your happiness, and you're not obligated to society because society doesn't really need Can you Can we survive at that level? Like, at that level right. of intellectualism and whatever... No, well, they make... Well, we'll have space people, right? So the adventurers will have... I mean, we'll still have national parks and... Are you, are you taking a break at all? Well, they make a big deal about the fact that when people I mean, I mean, like, retire from their occupations, the they don't live as long. Okay. Like, oh, when yes. people don't have the... They have to go into something else. And so that right, they have to have a hobby or they have to have yeah, another job. Yeah, they don't yeah, live. They the live lack. like three years. Okay, real quick. The, um, the quote <laughs> yeah. that I want to bring up that I keep seeing online, and it is very specifically directed in one way or another at our generation. And, and it's, it's pissing so, you off. It's so trite, yeah. Well... Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. And that shit is on the internet like every single hour, with the implication being, and I mean, it's, I've never it's, even seen that. Really? Okay. So, but the, I'm not. The idea is, is that the the greatest generation had a very difficult time of it, right? And in turn, they produced and raised the boomer generation, which had a much easier time. And in turn, like we have gotten, like. Each generation or cyclically generations have gotten like less capable because they've had to struggle less with the assumption being that we're going to hit some kind of like critical mass where we don't have people who are actually capable of or strong enough, whatever the definition of that is, of dealing with the current circumstances and things are going to go very, very wrong. In which case, people are going to have to effectively, like, relearn how to be, like, strong. Well, I mean, I'm sure if you analyze that thing, it's not logical, right? Because what happens is the context changes. So we don't need the same people we had in the great generation because we don't have that same context. Yeah, it's making the assumption that right. whatever, um, yeah, the, whatever the, the y times has are changed. is totally determined by so the, the strength of the people. So the X can change, and the Y can change, and so whatever it equals might be good, might be bad. It's still not... But the value of it and the truth of it and the reason why it's worth discussing is just how adamantly people buy into buy into it. There's it's why simple, we got these old senators, right? Because they think like people are voting them in because they think like that way may have been better. You know, it's like hmm. the idea that you kids can't do your shit right because you're yeah. too lazy and you play video games all the damn time. Yeah, people do not, not, not trust they're not, young they're people. Missing the changes. They haven't they're met the kids that I got to deal right, with. Exactly. These kids are super powerful. Where like, they've insulated just, themselves from reality because yeah. they're they're drunk on, yeah, give on these power kids swords, and, and money and right and shields. Give another this, generation yeah. the opportunity to be drunk on power and money and take over the world and use it for their own nefarious purposes. Pe- people think that mainly, young people are not physically <laughs> mainly to party. Right. Like, have you ever been around some of these baby boomers? Hey, another another they meat puppets scotch, reference. They, party till the and world play obeys. More golf than any. <laughs> people, no, the baby 
the baby boomer generation is now perceived as being very like weak or at least like self-indulgent and destructive by I mean by the younger by every generation younger than them um and I think the the fine the 2008 financial collapse I mean events since then have confirmed that and the the mentioning of like well college used to be a lot cheaper you used to be able to buy a house for this much all that stuff has in the public consciousness led to baby boomers being thought of as being very very privileged very selfish and as well some people are saying it's the fleece of the youth of america right they're saying that the baby boomers it's the greatest transfer of wealth up into the top the older people than has ever existed because if we'd allowed the banks to fail and bailed out the people then the baby i mean then the then the kids would have that money would we have would gone be, through the kids the and then right, right. And yeah the, the power you can't let that happen the because what should. happens is these people go oh their business fails or they sell their business you know and they retire and then it transfers that to the next generation you know it transfers the ideas to the next but the you know part of that is monopolistic like a lot of these large corporations are monopolistic and so the kids can't I've heard this argument too that the kids can't break through unless they have like a stellar idea and then it's then it's circumvented and absorbed through venture capital to back into the baby boomers yeah portfolios and you end up with a very small number of like yeah I think I brought this up before that Two out of every one hundred dollars that are of of wealth, however you define it, that is owned by a millennial is owned by Mark Zuckerberg. He owns two percent of millennial wealth, mm-hmm. and that's a product of millennial wealth as because a percent he's of the only of being small. Super, mil- he's the only super rich millennial. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Well, and the on. idea that, like you were saying, if you, it's still. But see, wealth the, is such a weird number. Like, yeah, um, it's all. I mean, with him, it's like it's Facebook stock, and you so, know, well, all those people at some kind of stock. Do you hear yeah. what they're doing now to not pay taxes? Have we talked about that? Maybe we need to talk about that next week. Okay. How they don't, how the super rich. So even if we raise the marginal tax rate, it's only affecting the rich, not the super rich. Because what they do now, they don't take a salary; they borrow money against their stock because right. the interest mm. rates only like one point something percent. That 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 so they get a Jeff discount. Bezos. And Warren, I mean, and I, all yeah, of them. Yeah, but yeah. That's why it always cracked me up when the when any president, but specifically, yeah. you know. So what we need to do is not talk about anything but proceeds. If you get this proceed and you're worth more than fifty million dollars, you got to pay taxes on it, no matter what. It's a loan, whether your mama gave you the money or whatever, right? You got to pay taxes. So, on so it. here's real a quick. minimal tax rate. Uh, Zuckerberg is eighty four. Canva, uh, Melanie Perkins, nineteen eighty seven. Uh, Reddit's Alexis or Alexi Ohanian, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, O-H-A-N-I-A-N, 83. Right. Uh, rent the one, rent, uh, the, rent runway. the runways, Jennifer Fleiss, Fleece, 85, and Airbnb, Brian Chesky, He's the big deal, yep. So those are all tech or, or company people considered geriatric or millennial. But um, the venture capital that funded their shit is all baby boomer, baby boomer yeah. money. Right. Yeah, um, so what happens, they're on the backs of that other, right. you know, because their, their retirement portfolios are in that. And I think that's... I and think maybe we need to talk a little bit about pensions 
versus stock portfolios as retirement. Well, I think that's so a pension in a company like United versus where they said they were going to pay out this money from their profits in the future versus a pension that's in the stock market or a federal retirement, right? Right versus a 401k in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Like there are mm-hmm. different ideas about why you take care of how people are taken care of in the future. And maybe Maybe that could be part of the reason why Netflix has a whole series. Millennials on this, have, on this whole thing. I mean, yeah. baby boomers have so much power is because that pension used to be paid by companies in the federal government, you know, and now it's, and now it's not. It, pensions are based in the stock market. Hmm. So maybe that's why they own the backs of. Oh, the, there's a big story this week too about um, the number of investment funds, uh, specifically ones financed by the federal government that are buying real estate and inflating the price of real estate, but as an investment decision, not actually in the interest of Is that through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac? Uh, No, that is... I don't know, actually. I don't know the avenue by which they got the money, so that's is... Part of the reason I bring up the the future of the world is because I'm very interested in it. I I like futurism in in a way. I do, too. Um... I, I was just thinking about how free our society's gotten, you know, and how f- the responsibility of freedom. Maybe we need to talk about that next week, that, that idea that I just, I mean, just think we're, we actually have Pride Month this month, which is so freaking crazy. If you talked about 20 years ago or when I was a kid, like you could never have never hap- had never that. Never would have happened. Mm. Right. So, but, but it's just, also the conversation shifted to a very cynical look at companies exploiting Pride Month. Yeah. Too, yes, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, so two things. Well, so capitalism's going to exploit anything that can make a profit. I mean, yeah. that's the whole design of the thing. And not that I... And, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. And so, you know, people need to be thinking about, well, how can capitalism be adapted to the future when we're all philosophers or all artists or whatever, or... or do we need a new economic system? I think that, well, that's maybe yeah. a whole different conversation. And we can but, have that conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's our podcast, but. Um, but I was going to say, so two things uh, uh, with the futurism thing. So watching, having watched, rewatching Star Wars and thinking about like, I th- this is so stupid, but I was thinking about this yesterday. When they're in the Mos Eisley Cantina on Tatooine before they, mm-hmm. they bust out when they first meet Han Solo and Chewbacca and he blows Greedo away and all that. So you watching the first one. Yeah, yeah. Number four. But Number the first four, one. yeah. No, it is. But technically, it is. the Anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's all these different aliens and all these different people and humanoids and things. Dun, and, like, dun, they're just all dun, hanging out. Have you ever thought dun, about the fact dun. that Luke, I mean, outside of saving the galaxy, like, he doesn't really do anything. He never has to pay for anything. You know, you never see him, like, like pull over the X-Wing and get, like, a Kit Kat and be like, yo, hey, I'm, you know, I don't need to pay you for this. Like, <laughs> you ever think about it's like a terrible aberration people, of the people force. don't seem to be doing much in in the future they're all just kind of hanging out which i'm not well, saying he's a farmer right well he Originally. was a, a moisture farmer to be specific yeah um uh, but anyway uh but then like i think about uh, another sci-fi writer that i like ian banks and he writes a whole series of books about a society called the culture and there are people in the culture yeah prime do, do i have prime i do have you watched the expanse yet uh-uh you gotta watch that. I don't remember. Have you watched it? This is where this conversation no. started from. Oh my from. god, it's I don't, so great! I, I try not to sit around and watch TV. No, watch it. There's five seasons of it. It's awesome. It's like in the near future. Five um, seasons. Yes, it's so good. Now though. you have to. Now you have it's to wait. It's gory. Be, it's right? gory, and it's just good. But but he has this series about the and in and in this series there's a species space that can, mm-hmm. um, 
it'd be like like you know like how some uh, bugs and animals like they'll molt. Like this would be like the same thing, but they can change their sex, or they can become hermaphrodite and mate with themselves. Mm-hmm. And so there are can, animals that do that. Yeah, yeah. So, but so it's very interesting. So with all of the trans movement and with technology, and that's what I'm saying. Like I'm like I'm constantly thinking about this. Like when we hit, in, maybe not even in our lifetimes, but like if I have kids or if Joey has kids or like my kids' kids or what, or what like if any of this even exists, are they going to be living in a world where like all you have to do is think a thought and poof, you're a different, a different color, a different breed, a different... Could be. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. Like, I mean, like I'm fascinated by this. Right, right. But that's, I mean, you know, if we, so if we get to a point where you're going to college, like, okay... Let's say that everyone has the opportunity to go to college if they choose to. Doesn't matter what you get a degree in, because, but you're not. It's not a caste system, so you're not preordained to fall into some subset of society. You know, like I mean, capitalism couldn't exist in something like that. Social class couldn't exist in something like that. I don't think it'd be possible. That's what I'm saying. Like, like everything that we know now that all these people so like with COVID. So Star Wars is futile. Uh, it's the emperor, yeah, the empire versus the rebel alliance. Well, it's, then the originally, it's a republic. At the beginning, yeah, he dissol- The emperor dissolves the senate. But but in the trilogy, the in but in a one, republic, three, you don't. Right. Ha- I mean, in, in a feudalism, you don't necessarily have to have money, right? Okay, fine. You have uh, you have allegiances. Sure, and then there's a lot of people who are, you know, all of the people throughout the galaxy who are either against it for it or just don't care. I've never even thought about that. <laughs> like, how did they... Really? How did they pay for food or... See, this is what I'm saying, man. Food or you don't I mean, see it, any... It, no you, money. There's no money. You know why I'm you thinking about it? Oh, they have credits. They do have credits. They do. Remember, they do use right. credits. Yeah. Do, do you, and you know why I'm thinking about it? And you're they not, gamble. There's one very specific thing that, that separates us on this. What? The use... Controlled substances. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but you know, but think about Wait, that. He's though. asking whether they have drugs or not in Star Wars. No, he's just no, saying no, that he perceived it because he was high. Because I was, he was high. Oh, okay. It was a high idea that I had. Yeah. God. Well, how about this one? Okay, I read this the other day. Like every, there are no like Earth creatures, right, in the Star Wars universe. Like there's not an Earth. They're all. I mean, they're all like weird animals mm, okay. or whatever right mm-hmm. you don't there aren't any like there aren't camels there aren't horses there there are things like them right right, right? okay okay All but right. then the, the, sh- the ship is <laughs> yeah. called the millennial falcon right so yeah. like there are supposedly falcons right somewhere even though yeah right right it's weird you called it the Millennial Falcon. It's the Millennium Falcon. Whatever. Cool. No, but that's yeah. cool. That's a nice, <laughs> a nice slip that ties. Yeah, that in was there. a slip of the tongue. Yeah. But no. Um. But but that's what I'm saying. Like, so if you if you there'd be no way that these things I feel like could exist in a society where everything was malleable yeah. and floating. I wonder. I'd like to think about it from the perspective of people a thousand years ago looking at our society and if it would seem like our condition is pretty much like limitless and leisurely to the point of being pretty much purposeless Mm. nihilistic i mean just like what would you yeah they would they could potentially it's like but what would you i mean that would be great but like what would you what would you do right you know and they would be like i would just you know i would just sit around and eat 
you know, the practically like free food that you have all day right. or like do, you know. Right. Could society exist without someone exploiting someone else? And I don't even mean, exploitation may be too dirty of a word, yeah. but, but do, you, do you get what I'm saying? Um, if there was no commerce, could society exist? Like if you couldn't spend money to make money off something, mm. would society exist? Like could people allow themselves at some point to let go and be like, yeah, I, I, I have this thing that you need. You can have it. Yeah, if people have all their needs satisfied, then I don't think they would worry about it. Then I guess we have to figure out needs are ever changing. People which, which have I'm, very I'm, basic biological sure, sure, needs. Sure, which I'm not saying that there's satisfy. not something that would cover it. You know. Well, and also, if you could instantly like change your appearance or correct any problems about yourself that you perceive, then that would kind of eliminate the need to like feel like inadequate or jealous of other people or anything like that. Like a lot of the places where animosity comes from. Um, so I've got to go to a wedding in just a little bit. Congratulations. Uh, start. It starts at at three, but I have to pick up my mom at two in Beaufort and you take her ready. there. Yeah, and I got to get ready. I'm actually an usher. I guess I was an usher 30 years ago. I didn't remember it. So we want to. It's fold. a re-wedding. Do we want to fold hey. this up? Yeah. Yeah. Let's. I see some blue sky too. Are we are we making any recommendations this week or no? I have one related to when you're talking about people like or when it came up people dabbling in different things or trying different pursuits okay. and how to best use their time but I'm going to take a second I got to look it up I can't remember the author so I want to tout a fantasy series and a author so the first one I want to tout is the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson Mistborn Mist Mistborn M I S T okay Bjorn series uh, the first book is called The Final Empire um, it is definitely worth a read even if you're not really into fantasy. Brandon Sanderson builds a world very quickly. And um, I recommend all of his books, but I especially recommend this one to be the first series that you read from Brandon Sanderson. It's pretty powerful works. It's six books, um, wow. but you can just read the first one um, and get a taste of kind of what he does. It's three books and then it's 300 years and then three more books. So after evolution, wow. it's, it's the deal. So it is definitely a worthwhile read. He's one of the top-rated fantasy writers, um, and uh, he has dozens and dozens of books that I've read. And Good prose awesome. styling. Yes. Well-written. Very easy to suck you in within the first couple pages. He builds a world like it's very rapidly. But he's been writing whole, whole works since he was a kid. Hmm. So he's, he's kind of a a little bit of a savant when it comes to writing. But uh, you'll dig it. You'll dig it. It's okay. worth mm. Just check him out. Brandon Sanderson. All right. That's definitely outside my yep. wheelhouse. But That's okay. my recommendation. Fantasy. I, I am going to recommend a nonfiction book based on the fact that we talked about um, people, getting, people getting into different things and pursuing their interests. It's called Range... Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World by David Epstein. It's, that's a really good book. I read it last year. Yay! Um, I read it last year, too. Yeah, Isn't it good? So, yeah, it's a, good it's, book? it's yeah. a very good book because I'm a definitely a generalist. Well, now I feel like I, I was looking for Because you, you guys <laughs> yeah. have read it. Super yeah. surprising to find out um, the, the different 
paths that people who excel at things actually where they come from and where ideas originate from and how beneficial it can be to be exposed to a wide range of things and then also the fortunate benefit of following your pleasure in pursuits. So, As in things like being that, a specialist? Things that make you smile. Hmm. How yeah. by trying lots of different things you're more likely to find something where your energy is best going to be spent because it's what you, that you value love. the most. Finally, finding yeah. something that you love. Hmm, okay. Well, I was going to suggest a sci-fi book, but you already did that. No, mine was fantasy. It's oh. not sci-fi at all. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's not really sci-fi at all. Well, I was going to suggest the one that I mentioned by Ian. There, he writes a bunch of books, but Ian M. Banks. I just don't know how to say the the name of the title because it's from a T.S. Eliot poem and I'm sure it's some Greek thing uh, consider is it Phlebas P-H-L-E-B-A-S Phlebas is that, is that what it is Phlebas is that what it is consider Phlebas yep here Joey you read that so hmm. you can see it Phlebas or Plebeians yeah oh yeah Phlebas okay. I always thought it was Phlebas but Phlebas but I also went to school in Swansboro so I don't know how to I don't know how to read good. Um, so yeah, I would say Annie and Banks because that's uh, what the start, what first mm. culture novel that he wrote, where he has like the amorphous characters and the changing. Okay, and it's awesome, fun. great, great. Uh, so, just recommendation. You can always watch Star Wars too, and that's cool. Yeah. You know. Well, thank you so much. She's, she's fast enough for you, old for man. For your time. <laughs> That was the best thing about the first Star Wars was like the parts and the things that were like just like old old western stuff. They weren't even like sci-fi related. It was actually based in a very like concrete like hey, he's a smuggler. Everybody knows what a smuggler is. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's also an asshole. Everybody's been an asshole. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's true. All that's right. True. All, All right. right. Well, we'll we'll wrap it up. Uh be back I guess next week. Yep. Maybe we'll be at a different place next week. Yeah, we're going to try to explore. We'll see. Um, thanks everyone for listening yes thanks for listening we love you have a great day and week and we will see you next week <laughs>